Happy Christmas to you all. Hope you have a fantastic day. We're going to spend a little bit of time looking in the Bible. So if you have one, uh, would you like to turn to Matthew chapter 1? You can guess the theme of today's message, I think, probably. Uh, so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1 and read a few verses from uh, verse 18. Here we go. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. I sometimes wonder in the presentation of the Christmas uh, nativity scene uh, that somehow uh, Joseph can sometimes seem to shrink back uh, and be very much a background figure in the story about shepherds and angels and wise men and maybe even Herod and then considering quite you know, amazingly what, what Mary was going through herself. Joseph can just be thought of as the guy who forgot to go on the internet and make sure they'd actually book somewhere to stay in Bethlehem before they then arrive. And he kind of just seems like the bland, uh, kind of disorganized figure of Christmas. I'm sure no men here identify with that whatsoever. Um, but so I thought that maybe this morning we would consider Christmas from Joseph's perspective. All the build-up to that very first Christmas, um, and, uh, and the events uh, surrounding Jesus' birth. And so we're going to look at his perspective, but maybe I'll just ask you first of all, I wonder, looking back in a few days or weeks' time, how you will sum up Christmas 2013. What, what words you might already be poised to pick to describe what Christmas was like this year? We're going to look at a few that I think maybe would sum up uh, Joseph's experience of Christmas. Indeed, Mary's too. Uh, firstly, Christmas is wonderful, isn't it? Christmas is a great time to celebrate, uh, to be together, and the wonder of remembering what was actually taking place, what actually happened in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about, or this is the, how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. This is how the birth of Jesus, the anointed one, the saviour, came about. It's difficult to imagine um, way back to what it must have been like to be one of God's people, always waiting, always hoping. Well, when will the saviour come? When will this promised one come who will save people from their sins? That's who, who was, um, whose birth was being prophesied and being fulfilled right now. And so, it's wonderful. It's a huge privilege. It's massive favor that of all the people living in Israel, God picked out Mary 
and Joseph, two ordinary uh, peasants, really, uh, to, to bring Jesus into the world. What massive uh, privilege, what massive favor that they should be involved in that. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the angel, when he comes to, uh, to Mary, says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary sees it that way. She sees, yes, I've been highly favored. The Lord has looked upon me, just a, a humble servant, um, a young girl, uh, nothing special, not rich, not impressive by the world's standards. But the angels just turned up and said that I'm going to carry and give birth to uh, the world's Messiah. And uh, it's just incredible to consider what was happening. This is how... Paul, writing to the Colossians, describes Jesus in Colossians 1, uh, verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, or making, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Amazing to consider that God's big plans through Jesus started so small inside Mary's womb. God was pleased to have all his fullness, all the fullness of God dwelling in Christ, a collection of cells inside Mary. The fullness of God. And to consider the future, what this child will achieve for the whole of, hum- well, for all those uh, of the people of faith who respond to him. Um, that reconciliation, massive plan. So, Huge favor in this very first Christmas. An absolutely wonderful thing is happening. But again, what was Joseph's perspective? Does this, would this have initially have felt like the favor of God? Well, perhaps not. She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph had to try and make sense of how is it that Mary is with child, but I know that I wasn't involved in that. Um, and he, he, he perhaps wasn't thinking that the very first explanation would be, ah, oh, it must be the Holy Spirit. Clearly, it was the Holy Spirit. Um, that probably wasn't going to wash with him as an explanation uh, from the word go. So this would not have looked like the favor of God, even though, in fact, it was. And I think that's what we can learn from this, that the having the favor of God in our lives does not mean that, for those who are married, we will have an effortless marriage with no possibility of conflict. The favor of God doesn't mean that we will have uh, a stable or easy lifestyle in every situation. The, The favor of God does not mean that the family business will turn out a huge profit this year. The favor of God doesn't mean that we're going to become more popular. The favor of God doesn't mean that others want to be in our shoes. I don't think there were many people who, looking at the bare facts, would have wanted to be in Joseph and Mary's shoes, even though they were encountering the huge favor of God. I don't think that the favor of God either means that we will be seen to be successful in the eyes of the world. That's certainly what it it didn't mean that for Mary or Joseph. What it means is the favor of God that we as ordinary people are involved in revealing Jesus to the world. 
And so that means that it's good not to be too disappointed if we don't get everything we want out of life. It's, it's good not to be disappointed if you don't get precisely uh, what you are after as a present this year uh, for Christmas. This is not perhaps the present that, um, that Joseph had in mind, but God is revealing something simply wonderful. And God's plan for us is better than the plan that we might come up with for our So Christmas is wonderful, and what we see here is God's amazing favor, but it's important that we see that the right way. Um, The Christian life, being those who would reveal Jesus to the world, does not mean other people will want to be in our shoes, or that we should be seen to be successful. That's not the aim, that's not the, the, the outcome. Uh, that God has in mind for being a, uh, being a Christian. Someone of whom anyone will come and say, look at how amazing your life is. I so want to be you. No, sometimes obedience to God means almost the very opposite. We are more likely to be shunned, uh, more likely to be ostracized, more likely to be misunderstood. Um, even though Christmas and even though being a, a believer in Jesus is wonderful. So Joseph's perspective or our perspective, perhaps in hindsight, looking back, on that first Christmas, Joseph would in fact describe it as simply wonderful, even though it may not have been always particularly comfortable. What else? What else do we learn about uh, Christmas? I wonder what else Joseph's perspective would have been. I think perhaps he would also describe this. Christmas is emotional, isn't it? All the build-up, all the preparations, all the, the hopes for how it will pan out, and uh, all the expectation, it can be a time of wonderful emotion, happy emotion. Also the sort of emotions that come when things get a little bit tense. What was it like then? Well, we've just seen that, that Christmas highlights, well perhaps in our day and age, Christmas often highlights what it is thought to be successful. What is the successful Christmas? Christmas can emphasize the, the haves and the haves and have-nots. It can emphasize what it is to be successful and what it is really not to be successful. Or what it is to be important and have profile and prestige and what it is to lack those things. It can be an emotional time. It can be a time when we uh, consider how wonderful things are. It can also be a time we consider actually things aren't as straightforward or wonderful as we'd hoped. Christmas can highlight some of the raw emotions of grief that's been experienced, or tough times, as well as happy times. For Joseph, that first Christmas was an emotional time. In the NIV that I was reading from earlier, verse 20 says a a delightfully understated phrase. After he had considered this, how do you think Joseph would have considered this? Considered uh, Mary being found to be with child. Uh, would he have sat in a library and stroked his beard and gone, hmm, let me consider. This is interesting. Uh, actually, behind that word that the NIV translators plumped for considered is the same word that describes, or a similar word that describes Herod's reaction when a few uh, chapters later on in, in chapter uh, 2, verse 6, we find out what Herod's reaction was when he considered the Magi's news. He was furious. He was angry. This wasn't happy news. And there's something of that in Joseph's response. This is an emotional response 
not precisely the same as Herod's, but maybe not quite that far off um, that we might think when we read uh, read the text in English, at least. So it implies anger. How is it that Mary has conceived and I wasn't involved? There's another emotion as well. Obviously, when the uh, when the when the dream takes place and the angel turns up, says uh, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. What was he likely to be feeling? He was likely to be scared. The fear of stigma, the fear of damaged reputation, the fear that his family might turn away from him, um, the fear, well, how will my business run now? Will I earn enough? Or will people in the community have so turned away from me, they won't want anything to do with me, therefore I'm going to struggle to make a living? And perhaps even the fear that others might seek to carry out the letter of the law. Mary has been found to be with child, uh, mysteriously, uh, not through wedlock. And um, that could mean that some people reading a certain chapter in Deuteronomy would think, well, the appropriate thing is actually to, to purge Israel of this evil that's surely taken place. How will the community uh, react? Will Mary get stoned um, uh, and punished in that way? Um, maybe even for, for Joseph, the fear that the real father um, might turn up and make life difficult. What will the future hold, in other words? It's bound to be that mixed in with those um, angry emotions, we're also, there's also fear. Now, what's amazing about Joseph is he is described as a righteous man or a just man. Even before the angel turns up in that dream, uh, he decides he doesn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace. So yes, he's clear, he's made up his mind, I can't go through with this. Um, but there's a, a, an element of mercy in his conduct, which obviously grows when the angel does show up. So what does it mean to be righteous? What does it mean to be just? It doesn't mean uh, just an absence of emotion. It doesn't mean that we're just emotional flatliners who never experienced anything that could provoke in us either fear or anger. What being righteous means, like Joseph, is taking the choice, having the heart to turn those emotions around. Joseph takes hold of that anger and, unlike Herod, turns it around, processes it into mercy. Even before the angel shows up, that's what he's in the process of doing. And he takes that fear, and with the angel's help, and with scripture's help, he turns that around, and he takes a step of faith. I'm going to take Mary to be my wife. I'm going to, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to follow God. So Christmas is wonderful. Christmas, in many ways, can be emotional. The ideal Christmas is not one where uh, everything is bland, uh, there's no tension, there are no difficulties. Uh, if you like, the ideal Christmas or the, the righteous Christmas is one where even if when emotions turn up, think, I'm going to reprocess those and, and process this and become merciful and take steps of faith. Lastly, Christmas is hopeful. 
Joseph has heard that what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. And we, as we read those last few verses, we see as well uh, where this was heading. He was told to call the baby Jesus or Emmanuel, which means God is with us. For them, as a couple, the future is unknown. But what they do know is that God is with us and God is with them. They don't know how the future will pan out specifically, but what they know is the Holy Spirit has conceived something in them. And when that becomes fully formed, when God's purposes are fully outworked for what he has begun, it's going to be seen to be absolutely life-changing, world-changing, life-transforming. It's going to be good news, not just for one couple, not just for one nation, but for the whole world. They aren't told exactly how things are going to work out. But what they are told is, God is with you. The future is unknown, but God is not unknown to them. So what does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to have hope? What does it mean to be filled with hope in God? It doesn't mean knowing precisely what the future holds. It doesn't mean knowing that everything will be fine. Knowing that everything will be cozy or everything will be comfortable. What they don't know at this point is that Joseph and Mary are going to need to take the infant Jesus and flee uh, and live in Egypt for an unknown length of time until God turns up in another dream and says it's safe to return now to Israel. They're going to essentially live um, a vulnerable, nomadic life, not knowing how long they're going to live where. The future is unknown. Having hope in God does not mean... Uh, we are immune from uh, the uncertainties of life. What it means is knowing that God is with us. That's the promise right here at the beginning of the book of Matthew. That's the promise at the, in the very last verse of the book of Matthew as well. As Jesus himself is commissioning his disciples and saying, you know, go into all the world and make disciples and I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. And that is the case uh, for us too. Christmas, my hope is that when we all look back on Christmas 2013, we'd be able to say it's wonderful and that we have encountered the favor of God. That maybe Christmas is emotional, but we are not going to be overcome by emotions that uh, might lead us towards uh, anger and fear and strife. But what we'll encounter most of all is a Christmas that is full of hope. And why is that? Because God has promised he's going to be with his people. Whatever the future holds, uh, whatever twists and turns are involved in our personal discipleship, uh, we can have faith that God knows what all those twists and turns are. And whilst we don't know them, he goes ahead of us, he knows what's involved, and he will lead us when we get there. We don't need to know everything. What we need to do is to decide, I'm going to believe, I'm going to have hope, I'm going to trust in our wonderful God. Why don't we pray together and we're going to sing our last carol.